We're going to move into our, and I love these Sundays too because I gear, we gear the whole service to, to our young people. And so the sermon is, is going to be geared towards them. We are still going to be in the book of Genesis. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to the book of Genesis, very first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 22. And we're going to be looking at the first 14 verses today. And I'm actually going to have uh, somebody come up and read that for me um, here in just a moment. Here in just a moment. Genesis 22, very first book of the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the seat or in the row in front of you. should be a hardback black Bible. If you don't own a Bible, feel free to take that Bible with you. That is our gift to you. Lydia, Cloud, would you mind coming up here for me? I just called you out. <laughs> Didn't even ask you before. I hope that was all right. But I'm going to have you read this text in just a moment. So I want you to come on up here and stand for it. And then I'm going to ask uh, a couple more volunteers. I need, let's see. Would you like, yes. Come on up here. Can you come up here? Do you want to come up here? Come on up. Come on up here. <laughs> She's looking at me like, are you sure? <laughs> come on. Come on. Come on. Come on up here. Come on up here. You're good. You're good. She's nervous. I would be too. What, what, tell us your name. Sarah. Sarah. Lydia. Lydia. Sarah and Lydia. Now I am going to ask Jimmy. I need you. All right. Dexter. I need you. Yes. Dexter. Dexter Jones. Oh, not Junior. I need, I need, I need, De I need Dexter Senior. And then, uh, Higgins, come on up here, man. Higgins, come on up here. All right. So I want to start off by asking a question, and I'd like for response from the crowd. You can raise your hand, kids, if you want to give me an answer. Uh, the first question, the only question that I have for you this morning is this. How would you define faith? How would you define faith? I'm looking for answers. Believing and not believing and not seeing. Is that yes? Excellent. Shepherd, are you raising your hand? Or are you just wanting to wave to me? <laughs> what how would you define faith? Yes. Yes. Very good. Say it, say it one more time. That's a good, good, behaving like God is telling you the truth. Any kids want to give an answer? Yes, B. Believing in God, good answer. Anybody else? Any other kids? Yes, Kayla. Believing in something that can't be proven. All right, very good. Anybody else? Yes. <laughs> Never be like the devil. That's, that's good. That's good. Yes. Help me out. What did she say? Excellent. Excellent. Wilson. That's right. 
That's right. Believe, believe. So you guys kind of get the idea here. Well, listen, I wanted to flesh this out for our kids and give a, a, an example of what faith is. And so that's why I've got, Lydia, I'm going to ask you to actually step back for a moment. I'm going to use you in just a second. Um, and I, I brought, um, oh, good grief, Sarah, Sarah up here on stage. Uh, to, and I got these three strapping young men, all right? Because we're going to do a little exercise here. You may be familiar with it. How many of you are familiar with the trust fall? Trust fall, okay? Are you okay with this? I should ask the mom first, right? Listen, I just want you to know that my... No, 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 no. That would be faith, though, wouldn't it? Uh, no, 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 no. I, actually, I'll be honest with you. My first idea was to uh, fall off the stage and let them catch. But then my wife, who is much wiser and much smarter than I am, said, that's probably not a good idea. And I listen to her 99% of the time. And so, so we're going to do it this way. So, Sarah, I'm going to ask you to stand and face me. Can you do that? Stand and face me. Come this way a little bit. Step, 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 step. And then I'm going to ask you three to get behind her, okay? There you go. There you go. Okay, you got to get low, but not yet. Not yet, okay? So this is what I'm going to ask you to do, Sarah, okay? I'm going to ask you to have faith in these three guys behind you. Because I'm going to ask you to fall backwards without looking. Are you scared? Uh, yeah, she's like, yes. Okay. I'm going to ask you to fall backwards without looking, and I want you to trust, have faith in, that these three guys are going to catch you, and you're not going to hit the floor. Okay? So let me add, no, wait, wait, don't, don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. I will let you know, okay? All right? That would have been an illustration gone bad right there, right? <laughs> But, but here, here's what I want. I want to, I want to kind of give you two examples here, okay? Because there are two, two types of, of people um, here, okay? And so, Sarah, I'm just going to ask you a question, okay? Don't do anything yet. I just want to ask you a question. So you understand what we're doing, right? Okay, so let me ask you a question. Don't do anything, but I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you have faith, do you have trust that if you fall back, they will catch you? Yes. yes. So she said yes. Don't do anything, all right? <laughs> She said yes. Now, now, here's the thing. For a lot of people in the world, a lot of people who say yes, they have faith and trust in Jesus, say yes, but that's as far as it goes. They never actually fall back. They stay right here. right? And, and so the way you live your life speaks volumes about your faith. So a lot of people have faith up here. They have the knowledge, right? You may come to church. You may have a lot of knowledge about who Jesus is. You may know that, that Jesus walked on water. You may know that you know, he was born of a virgin. And you scare, you're scaring me, Sarah. Don't, don't. <laughs> uh, you, you may know all these things about Jesus. And you may even say, yes, I follow Jesus. But see, it's all up here in the head. It's not here in the heart because you've never actually put your faith and trust in Jesus. Right? You've never, you, your life is not showing that you have faith in Jesus. Does that make sense, kids? So, so it's one thing to say yes, but it's another thing to then say yes, and then you actually put your faith and trust in Jesus. And so we're going to show you what that looks like. And so, all right, guys, I want you to get down. Please don't make this fail, okay? <laughs> all right? All right, 
On the count of three, Sarah, I just want you to fall back. One, two, three. All right, all right, good job, good job. Excellent, excellent. Give these guys a hand. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Stay up here. And so that, that's what faith is. Faith is basically saying, I am no longer in charge, okay? I am no longer in charge of my life, and I am giving my life, I am surrendering to the lordship of Jesus. Now, here, here's why that's important, that we put our faith in Jesus, because, and I should have kept you guys up here, but that's all right. So, in, in the book of Genesis, we read about the creation story, how in the beginning God created everything that we see around us. He created all the trees, he created all the birds, he created the land, the water, everything that you see, God created. He spoke it into existence. And then he created us in his own image, right? And then he put Adam and Eve into a garden. He said, I want you to rule over all of this, and I want you to tend it, and I want you to live here. I will be your God, and you will be my people. But Adam and Eve... Uh, disobeyed God. God gave them one command. He said, don't eat from this tree, one tree in the garden, the, tr the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and, and they ate from it. They disobeyed God. And when they did that, and does anybody know what happened when they did that? Kids, what happened? What happened? Yes. They kicked them out of the garden, right? And, and, and our sin, our disobedience separated us from God. And we were lost. We were without hope. And, yet the, and then the rest of the Bible from Genesis 3 on is telling the story of God's plan of redemption, of how he's going to send his only son, Jesus, into this world to die on a cross for our sins. All right? And so Jesus did that. Jesus came. He lived a perfect life. He obeyed God, his Father, perfectly. And then Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sins. And through Jesus, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are saved from our sins. Right? We are, our relationship with God has been restored. We are reconciled back to Him. Okay? That's, that's what Jesus has done. And so when you are putting your faith and trust in Jesus, you are putting your faith and trust that your sins are forgiven and that He died for your sins and that you are giving your life to Him and you're going to live your life for Him. Okay? And so that's what faith is, right? All that God has done for us, we were lost. We were hopeless kids. We were condemned, separated from God. And so when we understand that we are sinful and that God is holy and He is awesome, we see our need for Jesus and we want to give our lives to Him. And so it's more than just saying, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and then going about your business. It's about, yeah, I believe in Jesus, and I want to live my life for him. I want to grow closer to him. I want to learn more about him. And that is what faith does. And so it's very important, kids and adults, you know this, that our faith is anchored in, is rooted in, you know how a tree, a good tree has deep roots, doesn't it? And so whenever a storm comes, it can sway back and forth, but its roots are so deep and their roots are so good that it's going to stand firm, 
right? And so it's important that our faith is rooted in the person of Jesus Christ. Solid foundation. And not in circumstances of life. And this is why this is important, kids. And parents, you can agree because you know this firsthand. If our faith is in circumstances, if our faith is in our job, if our faith is in our spouse, our wife or our husband, if our faith is in anything else, those circumstances can change. Things can go bad. We could lose a job, right? Well, anything can happen in life. And so if our faith is in those things, then we are going to be shattered. We're going to be broken. We're going to be hard. We're going to be like, I can't believe this happened. And then we're going to end up doubting God's love for us. We're going to say, well, God really doesn't love me. If this happened, God doesn't love me. And that's because our faith is in other things rather than in Jesus where we know God loves us regardless of what happens in life. Good or bad, God is good. Amen? Because he saved us from death and sin. This is very important. And it goes with our story. That's why I'm telling you all this, okay? Very important. So come what may. Walk out of here tomorrow. I get hit by a bus. God is good. Amen, right? For one, I'm in heaven. <laughs> right? But, but, but listen, God is good regardless of what happens in your life because he has rescued you. He has saved you from your sin and from death. And it's very important that you understand that because there's going to be times, kids, as you get older, you can ask your parents this, man, when things are going to happen and you're going to get discouraged and your faith is going to drift. Listen, it's okay to have doubts. It's okay to ask questions. That's a good thing, because if you're searching the Scriptures, if you're seeking after Him, then oftentimes it's in those moments where God is going to deepen and strengthen your faith. And so it's very important that your faith is anchored in the person and work of Jesus so that when things happen in life, and they will, you remember, wait a minute, God is good, and I know that He loves me because of His Son, Jesus Amen? Amen. So, Miss Lydia here is going to read for us our story today from Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22, the first 14 verses. Lydia, what grade are you going into? Ninth. Are you serious? Holy smokes. Okay. All right. So, chapter 22, uh, I'm going to give you a mic. I'll hold it for you. To 14. All right, you guys follow along with Miss Lydia here. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. That's good enough. <laughs> and offer him to offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. 
On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey and the boy. I will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and set and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took his hand, the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offerings? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out of his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from, the, from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and the offering and offered it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it said to this day on the mountain of the Lord, it shall provide it be provided. Amen. I mean, you guys give Miss Lydia a hand. Good job, Miss Lydia. Thank you. All right, so, man, the, uh, the title of uh, the sermon is Real Faith and the Only Son, and this is probably one of the most well-known stories in the book of Genesis, maybe even in the Bible. And if you don't know, kids, Abraham is actually introduced to us in Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, God comes to Abraham and he calls Abraham out of his homeland. And what you need to understand, kids, is that Abraham was a, a pagan worshiper. Do you know what that means? Abraham worshipped other gods, right? He, and there is no other god, by the way. There is only one god, one true god. But sometimes people will worship silly things like idols or like statues or, or, or they'll, they'll worship the sun or the moon because they think those things benefit them. Uh, but, but this is what Abraham did. He was a, a, a pagan worshiper from a different land and God showed grace and mercy to Abraham and he calls him out of this land. And this is what he, he says. He says, I'm going to make you a promise, Abraham, ginormous promise. He tells Abraham that he is going to be a father of many, many nations. He says, Abraham, you are going to have a son, you and your wife, and through your son, through your offspring, through your family line, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Who do you think that is referring to, kids? Who? 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 Somebody. Jude? Jesus, right? So when, when God comes and he makes this promise to Abraham, and it says, through your offspring, through your line, 
all the families of the earth will be blessed. He's talking about Jesus because Jesus is going to come through Abraham's line, through his family offspring. But, but here, here's the problem. Abraham and Sarah are already well up in age. Abraham is 75 years old, and Sarah, his wife, is 65. And they don't have one single child. Right? So, so that's, that creates a problem. And it's not until 25 years later that God actually fulfills this promise that he makes in Genesis chapter 12 to give Abraham and Sarah a son named Isaac. And so you do the math, 75 plus 25 is how much? Mariah, how much? You're in college, how much is 75 plus 25? Yes. No, it's 99. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. You're right, you're right, you're right. 75 plus 25, she's stunned. She's like, what? Um, so yeah, so think about this for a second, kids. So Abraham is 100 and Sarah is 90 years old. That is humanly impossible. Can you imagine? I mean, that, that just doesn't happen. It would not happen. And so God keeps his promise and God is glorified through this because he does what is humanly impossible. That's what God is in the business of doing. God is in the business of blowing our socks off and doing the impossible. Uh, secondly, I want you to see, man, again, that God is the one who initiates this call on Abraham's life. He's the one who calls Abraham out, showing grace and mercy to Abraham. How many of you guys uh, know the song, Father Abraham, right? Uh, most everybody in here, right? Father Abraham, and many sons had Father Abraham. Okay, excellent, excellent, excellent. And so that, that's where this song comes from, right? Because Abraham is going to be the father of many nations. And so they have this son, Isaac, and if you continue to follow Isaac and, and down the line, on down the line, on down the line, on down the line, you will eventually get to Jesus, who is the blessing to the world because of his death, burial, and resurrection. But here's what I want to do, okay? We read Genesis chapter 22 for you, and I want you to see the similarities between chapter 12 and chapter 22, because in chapter 12, God tells Abraham to go. He says, I want you to go, Abraham, from your country, from your family, from your father's house. And he doesn't tell him where to go. He just says, I want you to leave, and I want you to go, and I will show you later. And I want you to think about that for a second, kids. Can you imagine what that meant for Abraham? He's 75 years old. It's not like he's, you know, 10 but he, he's established himself. He has built all this land. He's got all this cow. He's got everything, his family, everything with him. Leave your house. Leave your job. Leave it all. And go to a land where I will show you. And now fast forward 30 plus years, whatever that is, from chapter 12 to chapter 22. Isaac is now a young boy. We don't know how old he is. And... Listen to what it says. Again, Lydia read it for us 
It's a call to go. Just like in chapter 12, he says, Take your son, your only son whom you love, and go. Go. That's right. Go. And he says, Sacrifice him on the mountain where I will show you. Right? So Genesis 12 and Genesis 22, the beginning, almost identical, very similar. Genesis 12 says, Go, leave everything and go and then Genesis 22 I want you to go and offer your son your only son offer him the son that you love I want you to offer him up as a burnt offering now that's got to be a head scratcher to Abraham Abraham is probably like did I hear that I mean I did I hear that right, God? You know, it's got to be puzzling. I'm sure he was confused. Can you imagine what Abraham is thinking? And that's why I did the whole faith thing at the beginning, right? Because Abraham is probably thinking, I don't know about this. This is crazy. But Abraham has had 30-plus years of growing in his faith. He's had 30-plus years of making some poor choices and, and growing in his faith and seeing in those 30 plus years that God is faithful, that God is good no matter what, that he can trust God, that he can fall back and God is going to catch him. He has had 30 plus years of growing in his faith and now he gets to this point in his life, he gets the son that God has promised him, the one son who is going to be a blessing to, that through his line is going to be a blessing to all the nations. And now God is saying, I want you to take your son and go and offer him up as a burnt offering. And Abraham is like, what? I'm sure, adults, you've had moments in your life where this has happened, right? Where you uh, are, are trusting God, but you, you're kind of scratching your head like, okay, God, I'm just not understanding what's going on here, right, adults? Amen. Amen. And then in verse 2, chapter 22, verse 2, God says, offer him at, there as a burnt offering. Now, that's a, that's a key phrase there, burnt offering, because this type of offering in Scripture has two ideas. Okay, now hang with me for a second, okay? We're, 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 we're going somewhere. It says, for, for, so two ideas between the idea of burnt offerings First is, it means to offer yourself completely over to God with nothing held back. You are giving God everything. You're giving God your very best. Secondly, to offer up a burnt offering, the sacrifice that is being offered would forgive people of their sin. Remember how we talked about how we all sinned, right? We all have disobeyed God. And so this, this sacrifice, this burnt offering, this giving over to God everything that you have and offering up this burnt offering was a sin offering. It was to, to receive forgiveness. If you go over to the book of Leviticus, maybe you parents can read that to your kids at bedtime and they'll fall asleep super fast. But you will see that the whole sacrificial system, that, that's what is set up every year, man. The priests would go in and they would it would be just an absolute bloody mess because of all the sacrifices of the lambs and the offerings for people's 
sins. And they had to do that every single year. The other thing that I want to point out is that Isaac, Abraham's son, his only son, with Sarah, is their firstborn son. And if you are familiar with the story in uh, Exodus with Pharaoh and how God leads the people out of Israel, Exodus 13.2, we are told that the firstborn belongs to God. As a matter of fact, in, in, in chapter 13, verse 2 of Exodus, it says consecrate. That, that word means to set apart. I want you to take your firstborn, your, your, your son, your firstborn son, your firstborn livestock, whatever it is, and I want you to set it apart. Think dedication. Baby dedication, you're setting your baby apart to be you know, given to the Lord. You're going you're to point that baby to Jesus, right? This is, this is what this is. You're setting them apart. The first offspring of every womb among the Israelites, God's people, belong to God, whether human or animal. And so, so here's what's going on in Abraham's mind, right? Abraham is processing everything. I'm sure he is, like, baffled. Uh, I'm sure he's confused. But he's thinking through all this, and what does Abraham do, right? Again, he's got 30-plus years. He knows God is faithful. He knows God is good. And Abraham obeys. Abraham obeys. That's what faith does. Faith is not standing here saying, hey, I trust in God and then doing whatever you want. Faith is saying, hey, I trust. I trust and I am falling back. I am giving God complete control. I am wanting to obey him. I want to follow him and serve him. That's what faith does. Because Abraham knew that regardless of what happens, God is faithful and God is good. Abraham knew that good or bad, whether Isaac lived or died, he could trust that God was working for Abraham's good and for God's ultimate glory. He knew that. And I love the conversation that Abraham has with the young men as they're walking to this mountain. In verse 5 he says, I want you to stay here with the donkey I and the boy will go over there and worship, and we will come back to you. Think about what Abraham just said there, right? He's going up to the mountain. He's supposed to be offering Isaac as a burnt offering, and yet he tells the men with him, he says, we will go up and worship, and then we will be back to you. The only way that you can explain that is Abraham's faith in God. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews... It's a New Testament book, chapter 11, verse 19, tells us that Abraham actually reasoned in his mind, that this, this, this verse 5, he's reasoning in his mind that God could actually raise Isaac up from the dead. That's faith. He believed that. Our God is an amazing God. He's worthy of everything. And Abraham knew that. And then finally, I love the conversation between Abraham and his son, Isaac, as they journeyed up the mountain. Listen, Isaac is, is a young boy. He, 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 he's, he's starting to kind of make the connection. He's like, he's asking questions. So, okay, we've got the wood. We've got all we need. But where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the sacrifice? And Abraham simply, I love this. What is, I love this. Abraham is going up that mountain. 
And, and, and he's, 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 this is what he says. He says, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. I love that. That word provide, kids, is, is God will see for himself. God will see it. This is what Abraham is saying. He's saying, son, you don't see the lamb. I don't see the lamb. And I'm confused as all get out. But God will see the lamb. God will provide. God will see. And God does. In verse 14, God provides a ram as a substitute sacrifice for Isaac. And, and here, kids, listen, this is where I want you to tune in to me, okay? Because it's here, right here, where we discover the heart of this story, the true heart of this story. You see, God, this is what God is doing. I don't want you to walk out of here. Please, kids, listen to me. Don't walk out of here and say, man, I want to be like Abraham. Because this story is not about Abraham. This story is pointing forward to a greater person. His name is Jesus, okay? And this is, this, is what is, this is what it's saying. This is what God is showing Abraham, and he's showing us today in this room. He's showing us what it costs God, what it cost him when he sent his only son to this earth, the son that he loved to this earth to die on a cross as a substitute in your place. You realize that we are the ones who should have paid the penalty for our sins. We are the ones who rebelled against God. We are the ones who disobeyed God. And yet God is showing Abraham through this story. He's showing Abraham and he's showing us what it will cost him. He tells Abraham, I want you to take your only son, the son whom you love. And Abraham obeys because he trusts God. He knows God is good. And yet God provides the substitute sacrifice and God is showing us what it cost him. This is why Jesus came. This is why Jesus came. Our sin separates us. We were lost. We were dead in our sins. But God, I love Ephesians chapter 2, but God, being rich in mercy, with this great love that he loved us with, he sent Jesus to pay the penalty for our sins. The Apostle Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, writes this in Romans chapter 8, verse 32. He says, God who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God loves. God loves you. God loves you. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 12, our story, the angel of the Lord said these words to Abraham. and says, Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And listen to me, kids. We could stand at the foot of the cross and we can say the same thing to God. God, now we know. We know that you love us because you have not withheld your only son, the son whom you love. This is why it's so important that your faith is rooted and anchored in Jesus Christ because you will have times in your life where you doubt the love of God. You will have times where you are like, man, does God really love me? And all you got to do, man, is look at the cross and be reminded 
Yes, yes, I know that God loves me because he sent his son to die for me. This is why, kids, this is why we can put our faith and trust completely in Jesus Christ. Because of all that he has done for us, he is worthy. Listen, the more, the more you see your dirty heart, I tell my kids all the time, Jude can testify, and I don't, do it in a, I don't do it in a demeaning way. I don't do it in a way that makes him feel like, oh. I just, I let him know, man, when, he's, when he does something that he shouldn't be doing, I just sit down and I have a gospel conversation with him. I say, hey, son, you know why you did what you did. And what do I say, Jude? I always say, because you have a dirty heart. But I also let him know that mommy and daddy have a dirty heart and that we all need Jesus. And so the more we are aware of, just think about your thoughts, good grief. Think about the things that, that, that you think about on a daily basis. Right? I was telling Dexter this morning, man, the, 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 more, uh, the more my kids grow up and get older, the more I see just how dirty our hearts are. So the more you see that, kids, the more you see that, adults, the more you understand just how sinful you are and what your sin has done, the more beautiful Jesus is, the more beautiful the cross is, the more glorious God is absolutely stunning and amazing, and he is full of patience and grace and mercy, and you are like, man, I want to live for him. All that he has done for me, all that he has done for me, Come what may, good or bad, regardless of circumstances, whatever it costs, I want to follow Jesus. Amen? Even when things don't make sense, even when things don't make sense, parents, kids, we trust and we obey. You know when this is, you know when this is hard, kids? This is hard. Even when Jesus says, in the New Testament, Jesus says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So pray, pray for those, those kids at school, man, that maybe make fun of you or pick on you or single you out. Jesus says, pray for them. How, how can you do that? You think, that's impossible, man. They, they, they irritate me so much. How can I do that? Well, listen to me. You can't do it in your own strength. But through the power of the Holy Spirit and looking to Jesus, right, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus forgave you. You were an enemy of God. That's what the Bible says. Because of our sin, we were enemies of God, and yet Christ died for us while we were enemies. You look at Jesus, you look at cross, you're reminded, wait a minute, Jesus died for me when I was an enemy? I can love my enemies. I can serve them. I can pray for them. Right? How many of you got a brother or sister that just annoys the ever-loving stuff out of you, right? <laughs> Jude, Jude Shepard, you guys should be raising your hands. Come on. Right? How can we love our brothers and sisters who get on our nerves? Well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, by looking to Jesus who loved you, when you were absolutely unlovely. You remind you, man, Jesus loved me when I was an absolute, absolute worst. Jesus loved me and he died for me. You let that sink in from your head to your heart, 
And, and you'll be able to love your brother and sister. Is that, am I, is that making sense? You guys tracking with me on that? Look to Jesus, man. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He is always working for your good and for his glory. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to close out this morning with prayer. And I want to encourage parents. Listen, we, we had uh, camp this past week. I was at camp with Charlie Wednesday through Saturday. First chance, my oldest son was there. And we, uh, we had a good time, and we, uh, we learned all kinds of neat things about how awesome and glorious God is and all that he has created. But what was even cooler than all that, man, is that, um, is that we had a, a young lady who had been having conversations with her parents for a long time, and she had been discussing about getting baptized and, and wanting to follow Jesus. And so it was cool to end camp yesterday with this young girl making that confession of faith that she believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then we were able to watch her be baptized there at the camp pool. That was awesome. That was just a perfect ending to, to a great week of camp. And so I would encourage you, parents, we have packets for you. If your kids are asking questions and you're like, okay, you know, we have packets that you can walk through Scripture and it talks about what it means to repent and what it means to confess and put your trust and faith in Jesus and, and be baptized. And, and it talks about all those things. And so I would encourage you, parents, to pick up one of those packets, take it home with you. And if you're here this morning and you need prayer, you need encouragement, we would love to do that with you as well. So I'm going to close this out this morning. Thank you guys for being here. If you want to come talk to me, I'll be up here on stage. I'll be down here at the bottom of the stage. And I would love to chat with you. Please, please stay and eat with us. We have plenty of food. We would love to have you stay with us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to pray to close our service out. And then I'll pray for our food. How's that sound? Does that sound good? So the line's going to start over here. Yes, Carla. Okay, we'll give her just another minute. I'll keep, I'm just going to keep. So Shirley is, Shirley is bringing us some chicken and stuff. She, she should be here any minute. Uh, but how about you just mingle for a second. And, uh, and then the line starts over here. Kevin, raise your hand. See Kevin's hand? Line starts right there where he's at. You guys, grab a plate and go around. And uh, I'm going to start on this end of the table because that's desserts. And, uh, but help yourself and then come back and, and meet some people and just talk and have a good time and let's fellowship together. I love these. I love Fifth Sundays. So I'm going to close this out in prayer. Let's stand together if you would. Father, we just come before you and recognize, God, you are, you are good. And you, you are uh, an awesome God. And, and, and when we stop and, and really think about all that you have done for us, Father, the fact that we have breath in our lungs, you, you caused that to happen. The, the fact that we can be here this morning, God, uh, there are people here this morning that maybe weren't planning on being here and Father, they're, they're here for a reason. They're here because you are pursuing after them and you are drawing them to yourself. And so, Father, I pray 
I pray that you will just continue to stir in their hearts. I pray, God, your spirit will continue to move and that people will see themselves in light of who Jesus is and what he did for them on the cross and they'll see their need for Jesus. Father, I thank you for all of our young people. I thank you for the blessing that they are. I thank you for the joy that they bring in our lives. Father, I pray for all of them. I pray for their salvation. I pray, Father, that they would come to know Jesus. I pray that they would come to experience your love. God, they would know, know without a doubt that you love them. We thank you and praise you for our time together. We thank you for the way you provide for us. We thank you for our food today that we're going to have and the fellowship and encouragement. Father, we give you all, all the praise and glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys have a great time eating some food.